0: Hello, and welcome to the Folk Music Podcast. My name is Anders, and in this episode of the show, I'm speaking with Norwegian fiddler Olav Luxengård Mjelva. I'm a big fan of Olav's work, especially his bands Sver and Nordic Fiddler's Block. So um, it was a retreat treat to be able to have him on the show. Um, and we speak about um, Olav's various musical projects, including his newest project, which is uh, the Folk Music Academy. Uh, That's something I highly recommend that you all go and check out. But in classic podcast fashion, we also touch on a number of oddballs, like um, how to tour internationally as a folk musician, um, even the future of CD sales. (laughs) So um, yeah, I had a great time chatting with Olav, and I think you'll find it interesting listening to our conversation as well. Now this podcast is uh, on the longer side, so I'm going to try to keep the intro as brief as I can. Um, now, I did actually travel to ULA's hometown Røros to record this episode, and that is something I always prefer to do, being in the same room as my guest whenever possible. Um, so um, I find that I can't always achieve the same level of audio quality as I can here in my studio, but uh, I think today's episode is decent enough. So, without further ado, here is my conversation with Olav Luxemburg Mjelva. Okay, so I'm here with Olav Mjelva. Thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thanks for having me on the show.
0: And this is uh, kind of a special treat. This is uh, one of the few shows I've been able to do face-to-face. Yeah. I'm uh, actually in the great city of Røros talking to you. Uh, and we're currently at uh, an old community house called Sangirhuse which I'm sure many of my Norwegian listeners will be familiar with. So uh, it's great to finally have you on the show because uh, I've been a fan of your work for a long time. Thank you. Um, I think uh, you, have, you, you seem to be able to, to come up with musical constellations and collaborations that always have something new and really fresh sounding. Um, uh, and we can speak about some of your specific projects like Sverd and Nordic Fiddlers uh, in, in a while. Yeah. Um, actually, I have a number of things I want to talk to you about, so we should just uh, get right into it. <laughs> but um, like I usually ask my guests to introduce themselves, yeah. and I'm sure that a lot of my listeners will already be familiar with you. But uh, in any case, could you just give us a quick introduction to who you are and, and what you do?
1: Quick intro. Yeah, my name is Olav. Uh, I u- usually also use Luxengård, mm. Mjelva, and uh, uh, I started playing the fiddle when I was six in the culture school, and then I joined the Glomås spelmanslag. I had... Uh, a
0: spelmanslag that's kind of like a fiddle group, is it? Yeah, group of fiddlers.
1: I had uh, no intention of becoming a professional musician, but it, uh, yeah, it's only... Many coincidences, that, uh, <laughs> that uh, is the reason why I'm sitting here today. That's uh, usually
0: how life works, isn't yeah. it? Yeah.
1: So uh, if this would be a normal year, I would be touring with uh, my bands Sphere, the Nordic Fiddlers Block, and Erik Rydvall from Sweden. And we also have a trio with Max Bailey from England. So then we are called Lodestar Trio. That's
0: kind of your main projects these days.
1: Yeah, and uh, I also have a bluegrass band in Røros, and I'm uh, trying to to get back to playing more solo as well. Okay, cool. I did a lot of solo uh, like ten years ago and before, but uh, the past years it's been uh, like super busy with uh, my uh, projects, and it's also easier and more fun to play with others
0: yeah 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 well I, I totally agree but <laughs> but but your background is uh, as you said you learned to play in a fiddle group and, uh, and your first album was a solo album wasn't it yeah. so, so you have like a really solid foundation as a um, uh, traditional musician like traditional traditional <laughs> music if you know what I mean yeah. before you like ventured into all of these different collaborations that you're doing this, I assume? Yeah,
1: the, the traditional music has always been in uh, like my foundation for everything. So even if I'm trying to be uh, really inventive with music, it, uh, yeah, it's uh, hard to escape from that. No, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but are you trying to escape from it? Or? No, I'm not trying. <laughs> I, uh, absolutely not. It's I, I think it's great to have like a solid foundation, like you have in in a certain genre. I think that may, makes it easier to to search out new sounds when you have like a, you, you have a home base in yeah. a way, and then you can experiment going out from that. Yeah,
1: I, I also think I've been quite lucky because uh, I started playing the normal fiddle, and uh, I did only that and also some other instruments, but. In folk music, I played uh, normal fiddle. And then um, my mother is from Hallingdal, which is uh, one of the Hardanger fiddle areas. So when I started uh, studying at uh, Ole Bull Academy in Voss, I took up the Hardanger fiddle because uh, one of the teachers were from Hallingdal, Arne Anderdal. And nowadays, I think I... Play mostly the hardanger fiddle in different settings, mm. but it's really good to have both.
0: Yeah, and you feel like equally at home in both traditions, so to speak. Yeah, both. Uh, so I, sometimes I f- I feel like I have to explain things for my non-Norwegian listeners, but like Norway kind of divided between, like traditionally speaking, between the the regular fiddle and the hardanger fiddle, mm. which uh, which I'm sure most people in the folk community are familiar with these days. It's like the fiddle with uh, the, the the resonator strings and the flat bridge yeah
1: that stuff and the hardanger fiddle is mostly found in the southwest of Norway
0: yeah whereas Røros where we're currently that's like regular fiddle territory yeah. basically <laughs>
1: <laughs> now we're in the mid east as I call it yeah, <laughs> mid- <laughs>
0: yeah. okay but. Would you say that you've always been curious when it comes to, like, discovering new sounds and uh, and new genres and stuff like that? Or is that something that you've taken to uh, later in life?
1: Uh, Good question. Well, I always played in different bands, but... uh From, yeah, maybe from when I was 12. I always played in different bands, but like folk music, no, a lot of different things like uh, rock and uh, (laughs) jazz, and a lot of different music styles. And uh, like, we didn't take it that far with uh, all the bands, but uh, it was really good uh, uh, experiences, Mm. which I think has uh, helped me, like, in in my later professional life as well to get some other ideas. and I think also that uh, the bass playing has been really good for uh, when it comes to chords and bass playing? Yeah. You play the bass?
0: Yeah. Oh really? I didn't know?
1: Like the electric bass? Yeah, both uh, electric and uh, double. Nice. I didn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) So I also played uh, a lot in uh, like dance groups, Gummer Dance. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah. So uh, when I was about yeah, between 15 and 18, I guess I uh, almost didn't play the fiddle at all. I only played the bass. <laughs> oh, nice.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm actually a big fan of like really solid gamelans, like, yeah. especially like like vintage venues from the 70s. and yeah, this like, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's
1: surprisingly uh, hard to do good. Like yeah, yeah, Svensius uh, quartet uh, is. Still uh, number one for mm. me when it comes to gummer dance. Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> and it's a fine line, isn't it, between like really good stuff and just cheesy.
1: Or do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I, <would probably. laughs> I think it's isn't it like that with uh, all kinds of music? Oh, maybe you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, so um, so a lot of your projects that you're doing these days is. Not strictly traditional traditional music. It's uh, kind of a mixture between different genres and... Uh yeah,
1: where so. do we start? So Svear was like my first uh, folk music band, but uh, it started out also as a very traditional thing. Okay,
0: but how long have you guys been playing? Uh,
1: I think we started as a duo, me and were, the, the accordion player. We started playing in... 2002, maybe? So, yeah, almost 20 years ago. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> but then we played uh, very traditional tunes from Røros, mm-hmm. Fiddle and Torader, and then... Uh,
0: like a two-row
1: button accordion? That's, yeah, exactly. how many rows it's he has. It's not called Torader in. <laughs> in English. <laughs> but, yeah, so we started playing a lot together, and mm-hmm. we have been friends uh, since we were six years old. And then... Uh, I think both of us had this urge to find uh, like maybe new wa- ways to harmonize and uh, play second voices, mm. and then uh, it, we felt that uh, we needed something more, and yeah, something more would be something like a guitar, yeah, perhaps. And then uh, we got Viderskred uh, to join us, so we played for a while, and um,
0: and at that point, like playing folk music on the guitar wasn't really that common in Norway and still no. isn't, actually. No. I think I can count <clears throat> in less than one hand how many folk music guitar players yeah. we currently have in Norway.
1: Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But Bidar is great, though. He's, he's really good. Mm. So at that time, we understood that, okay, it's, it's really fun to play something more rock, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for, for, like acoustic folk rock. And uh, I think... Sver has uh, always been like the, uh, some acoustic folk rock band, but also in the in the beginning with Viedar, and uh, eventually when uh, Viedar Bárðar joined us on guitar, we played a lot of traditional tunes, but mm. we tried to take them to a to a new direction,
0: which is quite hard, I guess, because they're very like set.
1: Yeah, like it's like
0: if you take it too <clears throat> far, it's no longer. Traditional music, if you know no. what I mean,
1: it's much easier to to write your own tunes mm. and uh, arrange that for a band than because uh, a lot of this uh, traditional fiddle music is very set, and especially like the music from Røros, it's so set in certain chords. It's very hard to get out uh, of that. Yeah, and two chords <laughs>
0: exactly. And once you're playing like a B minor instead of a D, it sounds
1: yeah like. <laughs> you know Just what I mean? sounds uh, wrong. Wrong, yeah. Or, <laughs> <laughs> or
0: cheesy. <laughs> or cheesy. Yeah. yeah.
1: So the the past years we have been. Well, now we also have uh, Anders Hall on uh, viola and fiddle, Jens Linell on drums, and uh, Oscar Reuter is our new gi- guitarist. Fourth guitar player. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so It's a, yeah, it's a we tricky are position. Heavy users <laughs> of guitarists.
0: <Yeah. laughs> so, but. I, I I think Sverre is, is one of the it's one of my favorite folk bands actually. Well, thanks. Sorry, I, I think you have like um a great like you sort of captured that Nordic sound in a way. But also it's not well don't don't mis- <laughs> take it like it's not too serious, it's like it's fun. Yeah. Um yeah, that's maybe the that's the intention.
1: Yeah, it's the intention to not be too serious and uh We're trying to think of ourselves as a more uh, acoustic folk rock party band.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but (laughs) it's still like, it's still in that Nordic, you can still get gigs at the folk club, if you know what I mean. Yeah, exactly,
1: yeah. And Svera has been really good for me, musically as well, because, uh, like I said, in the beginning we played more traditional tunes, but uh, in the later years I've uh, made more and more tunes because I can I can hear how it would maybe work in that setting
0: yeah you know the sound of the band in a way you can write specifically for the band
1: yeah and I really like to use the hardanger fiddle in yeah take it out of that traditional setting and put it on a huge stage yeah (laughs) (laughs) with the band it's uh yeah it's like you said it. It sounds Nordic in a way, but mm. it's also something to do with the instruments, of course, and uh, the hardanger fiddle, and the playing style on the hardanger fiddle has a very unique sound.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. You can play almost anything on the hardanger fiddle, and it just sounds different in yeah. a way. Like uh, Personally, I think like Celtic music sounds really nice on, on the hardanger. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, don't know if you're familiar with uh, Irish fiddler Quivin O'Reilly. Yeah. I think his work with the hardanger...
1: Fiddles. Yeah, he's playing that a lot. And uh, there are also some, yeah, some people in the US that use the hardanger fiddle in different settings and don't necessarily play in Norwegian tunes. No.
0: no, That's kind of cool, isn't it? That the instrument is kind of taken off into the world. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, with Sver you play a lot in the US, it seems.
1: Yeah, we... Uh, like we have been playing for we had a 10 years anniversary as a quintet huh. 2 years ago so we have been playing for a while but it's also the thing that uh, as a instrumental folk band like norway is just too small to no to be a, like <laughs> make a living from it no and uh we, Anders on Fiddle and uh, myself, we also play together in the Nordic Fiddlers Block,
0: which is your other sort of main project.
1: Yeah, a Fiddle Trio, mm. and we have been touring in the States. Uh, I don't know how long, maybe six or seven years. So, and that has been like our main main income during the year is those tours, mm. and uh, we decided to step it up with Sver as well. So uh, we got an agent in the States and we've been touring there for uh, two and a half years, like twice every year, except from this year. Or, yeah, actually in January.
0: <laughs> but, but you also tour a bit, quite a bit in Europe as well?
1: Yeah, especially with the Nordic Fiddlers. Yeah, yeah we have been playing a lot in the UK. There, uh, usually we have two tours in in the UK, like Scotland, England, and uh, yeah, every year. And then also a lot of festivals in Europe during the summer. Hmm.
0: But it's it's interesting what you're saying about Norway being too small to be like a folk music act. Um, Because in a way, I'm, I'm kind of envious of your position in that you have a couple of really great projects that you can, gig a lot with and kind of make a living almost out of them, um, which I suppose frees up more time for you to spend with your family or work on composing and writing, stuff like that. Uh, yeah. But to be able to get to that point, do you think you'll have to gig internationally to be a folk musician?
1: <laughs> no, it also depends what you want to do. Like uh, Norwegian folk musicians, they really don't tour It's extremely few Norwegian folk musicians that tour outside Norway.
0: What's the reason you think for that?
1: I have no idea, but I I think it might be something with... uh, A a lot of Norwegian folk musicians are very traditional and maybe uh, maybe they even aren't that uh, interested in touring. Well, Maybe it could be, I don't know it's <laughs> but <laughs> but you when you see
0: uh, seems like you're very like outward seeking with all your projects,
1: yeah, it's something i I learned quite early that uh if you're going to make a living from it, you have to treat every band as a business exactly yeah, yeah. and it is a business as well, uh, even though it's a thing I really don't like to think about no but it, if you're going to make it work, you have to think business and uh,
0: and the problem is it has to be a business, but also a family. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's a family business. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and you need, uh, of course, a good a good product, and you need to come up with new products, and you have to know how to sell it, and work with other people mm. to sell it and market it, and uh, it's a lot of work. So. I mean, to get to the point where you can really tour, uh, it's not easy for us either. No, I can imagine. I'm, I'm sure for for some people it can seem like quite uh, like we are living a good life on the road, and uh, of course we are sometimes. <laughs> Most of the time, but to be honest, it's a it's a really long way to get there, and. It's not like you can just start touring in the U.S. like that. You have to build up a, an audience. You have to find the right people to work with. And uh, I think we are—we're still not where we feel that we are on our top. Of course, no. we are just starting.
0: But like when it comes to touring in the U.S., did you have like um, did you approach it very consciously? It like we're gonna try to get a foothold. On the other side of the Atlantic? Yeah. Or? Okay.
1: Yeah, especially with Svear and mm. uh, of course with Nordic Fiddlers. But uh, it's also about getting out and play uh, some showcases and mm. meeting the right people at festivals. And uh, it's, uh, it's a lot of work and yeah. <laughs> it's not like you will get rich on it. probably never no (laughs) but uh, it's good fun when like I really love touring
0: yeah yeah me too and uh,
1: getting up on that stage and performing every night for a couple of weeks Mm. it's and of, of course traveling, and it's very, uh, you get extremely tired and you get sick of, of each, each other. other yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you get sick of the car and uh, the smell in the car and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's,
0: that's where the stories come from.
1: Yeah. But uh, even though it's, <clears throat> when you work that much also to get your music heard, then you have to tour because that's where people hear your music. Yeah and uh yeah it's just it's just connected so if i were were to like work a lot with a, a new album and i couldn't play it for anyone what's the point yeah <laughs> it's a, it could be a point for myself to have done it but then it's no business anymore
0: mm. so when you're coming up for ideas for new collaborations or or um uh, <laughs> or musical projects is that always like part of it in a way like does this have a does this fit into the market in a way <laughs>
1: like, no i think it's that's also quite uh, it's also coincidences because sver started more like yeah with my childhood friend and we wanted to play more folk rock and we saw it wasn't Uh, absolutely no business (laughs) plan about that (laughs) it was just uh, about making music and uh, making the music that we want Mm. and get it out there and have fun Uh, and the Nordic Fiddlers I don't know maybe it was a little bit more business thinking for uh, it was actually Anders Hall's uh, idea to so, begin so,
0: with so Nordic Fiddlers Brock that's your fiddle trio with Anders Hall the Swedish fiddler yeah and Kevin Henderson from Shetland and yourself
1: yeah. but uh, that also started more like I then Anders and I had played together for a few years since Svear and we knew Kevin a little bit mm-hmm. and uh, yeah you know, was he
0: living in Norway at that time he point? was
1: uh, at least he was a lot in Norway. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and we met him at a festival in Raulum, Telmark, And um, yeah, we just uh, took it from there. But uh, of course, we had a lot of, of uh, rehearsals first to try. Yeah, is this something that you want to do? Yeah, mm. Does it work to play? But the, the thing I think we did, did uh, in a good way is that we... If we play a Swedish tune, it's almost uh, every time then Anders plays the melody. Okay. And if it's a tune from Shetland, Kevin plays the melody and yeah, Norway. So uh, we have a very big respect for each other's traditions. And we also know that uh, it wouldn't sound like... If I should play a Shetland tune, it would sound like a Norwegian playing a Shetland tune. Yeah.
0: So, so, yeah. But I, I think I think you guys have, like, solved that whole fiddle group thing quite nicely because I think sometimes I get a bit sick of that whole fiddle group thing because there's so many of them in Norway because there's yeah. no guitar players. So yeah. everyone has to play <laughs> with other fiddlers. And, like, there's only so much you can do, really, when it comes to chords and rhythmic elements and stuff. but But I really dig your sound, uh, like you play the Hardanger a lot and it seems like Anders is playing the viola or something, yeah. so, a lower <clears throat> pitched string instrument.
1: Yeah, so Kevin uses uh, two normal fiddles but mm-hmm. in different tunings. Anders plays the viola and the fiddle and I play the Hardanger fiddle up there and the octave fiddle down there, ah, so. Okay. But the, that was also an uh, idea. From the beginning that we have to get out of that uh, just three normal fiddles sound mm. because it it's too like uh, shallow to to get out on uh, on oh, the, the big stage, stage stages yeah mm. but if you have the octave fiddle and uh, you really get the bass uh, or you, or uh, Anders plays the viola, Kevin, the fiddle in the middle, and then the hardanger fiddle on top, then you have a much bigger specter of, of sounds. Mm. And you can do so many more things, because if you play three fiddles, it's uh, also much harder to uh, arrange music, because you are always in each other's way. Yeah, in the same register. Yeah. Right? But if I play the octave, I kind of I play the bass. Yeah. And yeah, I,
0: I can definitely see that band working on a big stage.
1: Yeah, so I, then I don't have to think about what the others are doing. No. <laughs> <laughs> but. Yeah, so yeah. But, uh, that's also something that we just worked out uh, after a while. Because mm. when we first met, I don't think I even had an octave fiddle. But then I bought one like uh, just by luck, I think. Okay. A ch- really cheap fiddle. Put on some octave strings and it sounded uh, cool. So okay, let's try this. And <laughs> it worked out, but uh, a lot of work and different ideas. And mm, cool. Um, so um,
0: yeah, I, I guess you 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 had a lot of gigs cancelled this year.
1: <laughs> yeah, a lot. All of them, maybe. <laughs> yeah, we did uh, a tour tour with Sverin in the US in January, and then played some gigs in February with Sverr and uh, Eric Rudval. I think that's it. March was maybe the last, and then uh, everything was cancelled until now when I played a couple of gigs. But then <laughs> November and December it's completely free.
0: Yeah, but you managed to keep yourself busy nevertheless.
1: After. <clears throat> Yeah, I keep myself busy, but I don't keep myself rich. No,
0: <laughs> but I was thinking about your um, <clears throat> one of your new- newest project, the Folk Music Academy. Yeah, uh, do you want to give that a pitch?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, um, the Folk Music Academy is a is an online learning portal, you could say, or a, a website with uh, where you can get a subscription, and you can get access to. Uh, Uh, Already quite a lot of videos. Mm. And uh, the idea was... uh, I actually had more than 10 years ago. And then I got some fundings for it to buy some equipment. And I I had a lot of ideas, but it wasn't fully developed. No. My brain. (laughs) Yeah,
0: but it's like that sometimes those ideas need... Like this podcast, I've been thinking of it for years, but sometimes it just the timing has to be right?
1: Yeah, no, it's also about knowing the right people again. Mm. Uh, Yeah, because now I know a lot more people in the folk music scene and it's so much easier to ask uh, really good musicians to come and, uh, yeah, do you want to come in the studio for a couple of days and and record a course in fiddle, like Shetland fiddle or... So now, uh, last year I... Just decided. Okay, it's now or never. Let's do yeah. <laughs> it before anyone else does it, because yeah. it would come eventually mm. A- anyway. I'm certain of that.
0: Yeah. So uh, the concept is um, like online courses with uh, folk musicians from different genres. Is there any like specific folk genres or?
1: Uh, well, it started out when, like last year, I applied for funding to get this project started. And uh, then we got funding to record 10 courses with Mm. Nordic music, Nordic folk music uh, on different instruments. And uh, we did that and released the website the 1st of July this year. Uh, And then we have courses, fiddle, hardanger fiddle, nyckel, harpa, accordion, uh, so far, Uh, 10 different courses. Courses with people from Finland, Denmark, Norway, Sweden. But uh, now we are recording a lot this fall, so I think we're recording almost ten new courses. All right. All right. Uh, so now we are, uh, yeah, we're expanding a little bit. So also Shetland. Uh, yeah, I heard
0: Kevin Henderson is coming up tomorrow, actually, to yeah. record some Shetland tunes.
1: And uh, Maja Kauhanen from Finland was here last week, recorded a course in uh, Kante. Hmm. And then we're getting uh, Matthias Perez on guitar, Ale Karr, Mandola, Ale Möller is coming. Huh. Uh, yeah, a lot of different courses. Also uh, Tom Wille Rusta on oh, really? Jaws harp. Okay. <laughs> and uh, we're also recording several... Beginners courses in field nickel really uh Yeah, so that's uh, how it is right now. But we're also uh, starting like a sub. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, filial, sub company, maybe. Yeah, know. Uh, maybe not. Uh, we're also starting to... <laughs> <laughs> we're trying.
0: <laughs>
1: we're trying to uh, film, yeah, begin filming Filming in the US because I know a guy in Maine uh-huh. who is a really good film guy. Um, he actually filmed uh, the Nordic Fiddlers once in, in Maine. So I asked him if he would be our US film guy. All right, cool. So, so now, you're
0: planning on incorporating like American old-time music and stuff yeah. into the, in the course? Okay,
1: So the plan is to eventually record folk music from the whole world. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I like
1: so the ambitions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> yeah, why? Not? We have been thinking a lot about this, but uh, okay, you could of course make it a site just for Nordic music, mm. but. When you're first at it, why not yeah, take yeah. the
0: whole world? Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> I like the attitude.
1: <laughs> because, of course, it's uh, it's uh, so endless opportunities. Mm. If you were just supposed to film in Norway, you could also film like 40 courses with just two-row accordion, mm. right? different traditions and different playing styles. But... Uh, yeah,
0: I guess the possibilities are endless. They are, but how's the response been? Good,
1: very good. But just uh, the
0: idea is people sign up for like um, subscription service, and they can, or do they pay per course, or how does it work?
1: Uh, you can sign up for a subscription for between yeah one, three, six, or twelve months, mm-hmm. and then you get uh, of course access to all the courses. Uh, you get access to sheet music. Uh, And we also have uh, live workshops by uh, Zoom. And we also have some live concerts on on social media. And and, uh, we're working to get a user forum going. Uh, Yeah, we have a lot of plans to (laughs) make it more like a folk music community. More
0: interactive in a way.
1: Yeah. Um, nice. so,
0: we'll make sure to link to
1: all of this stuff in, in the yeah. show notes so people can sign up yeah <laughs> no it's a lot to think about but it's also to get all the, the the right people and the right instruments and the, yeah
0: yeah and you also have to like produce the courses in a way like I suppose
1: yeah well I, I yeah I'm there doing all the filming so I'm kind of a producer mm. But uh, we also try to ask uh, musicians that we know have been teaching mm. a lot, because uh, most of the teachers we have had, they have come with a like really good plan, yeah. and uh, like uh, most folk musicians are very used to this setting, sitting and teaching other musicians
0: yeah but maybe not in front of a camera lens no
1: (laughs) no but uh no i'm quite impressed with all the musicians we've had
0: um but do you plan on incorporating any forms of celtic music as well
1: yeah of course (laughs) because
0: that's a huge market i suppose
1: yeah Uh, no the the idea is to do the nordic countries uh, properly first Mm get some more Swedish music and some more instruments from all the Nordic countries. And then we're starting filming uh, in the UK okay. at the same time. Uh-huh. So filming uh, musicians from Scotland and England, Shetland, Orkney, and also mm. Ireland next year. Nice. It's a plan. And then we move south. (laughs) 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 I can tell you how you have thought this through. (laughs) Well, that's like a a dream plan. But but, uh, yeah, not try to do everything at once. No. So not like film one guy from England, one from France, one from Italy. No, I see. But try to do do every place. Thoroughly? yeah. Yeah, proper way before we go to the next move on. yeah <laughs> conquer the world yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but I think it's um, it's very interesting how it works and uh, I think it's interesting to see how how people react to it as well because uh, both the instructors musicians we have asked are super positive mm. and uh, all the like the top musicians have said yes uh, which is very good yeah and i guess
0: it's kind of a snowball effect as well like when more like very skilled musicians come aboard yeah. it's, it's easier to bring others aboard as well maybe yeah i
1: think so and we have been super lucky with everyone like all of you and from Wesen he was mm. one of the first ones to say yes And uh, he was like, uh, yeah, I've been thinking to do this for so long. (laughs) But uh, that's the the thing that many people have said that they have been thinking about doing this for so long, but Mm. uh, people are busy with other things and maybe don't have the energy or don't know how to do it. Yeah, or
0: it can probably feel very overwhelming, like all of the stuff you have to like learn when it comes to, I don't know if you knew anything about filming or editing
1: or stuff like that. No, uh, I was, (laughs) I'm still learning. Yeah. uh, Like we, yeah, now it's nine months since we filmed our first course and uh, I have to say it's, we are becoming much better. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah all the time uh-huh. which is a very good thing. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, I have the same experience with this podcast. Yeah. It's just so many moving parts. Um but 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 uh you have your own studio at the moment, don't you? Yeah. Uh, or maybe you're sharing it with someone else maybe Yeah, I'm
1: actually uh, cl- sharing Klangsmia studio. Yeah. In Uls, just outside of, of Roros. Mm. Uh I was uh, yeah, well, I moved back to Røros three years ago after spending some years in Sweden. Mm. And uh, I was thinking about like building a home studio in my garage or setting up a, a new small building with a studio or mm. something. But then it turned out it was so super expensive. And yes. then <laughs> <laughs> I, I I, always known that uh, Bent Jakobsen, uh, accordion player. He has the studio in mm. Oos. it's so old. Uh, uh, what's it called? Timber house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the yeah, everything is there. Like all the microphones and the mm. good mix here. Because he's
0: been running that studio for for some some years now, hasn't he? Yeah, for since about, the nineties.
1: Yeah. So um, then I uh, spoke with Bent, and he was very excited about someone taking over oh, the yeah. studio. But uh, yeah because I should he's have called him first then. Yeah you should <laughs> <laughs> no so he is now retired but he, he still spends spends some time there. So it's very good to have a studio and that's that's where we film all the okay. videos for the Academy. And I've also been recording some albums and singles there the the past year
0: Mm. it's really useful isn't it to have your own plug and play studio
1: so uh, the the latest album with the the Nordic Fiddlers we recorded there in January Mm. and I got it in the mail now last week so uh, we are aiming for release in October but uh, we only have one gig to release it (laughs) that's how how it is so Mm. We just uh, hope that people still uh, want to buy some CDs.
0: Yeah. Well, how long do you think people will? Because in in most other genres, like CDs, are gone years ago. But in the folk scene, like people are
1: still printing CDs and selling them.
0: I think. Yeah. (laughs) Well. uh, How
1: long can can this like? It's not looking very great. No. Because uh, in Norway and Sweden, like to see the sales. Basically dead.
0: No, even uh, even at gigs. Yeah, yeah.
1: But uh, in uh, in the US, it's uh, quite good still, mm-hmm. and uh, and also in the UK, Germany is quite good. So uh, uh, most places are better than <laughs> Norway when <laughs> yeah. it comes to this.
0: <laughs> but it's only a matter of time before that will that market will be gone as well.
1: Yeah, which? absolutely.
0: Which. Well, I, I I stopped listening to CDs years ago, but uh, I tend to buy vinyl, and but I really mm. miss the physical thing. Yeah. Do you think it would be possible to sell like just the booklet or something, or is? No,
1: I, I don't think so. No. <laughs> People have tried so many things now with the USB sticks and the mm. QR codes and everything. Yeah. But I think it's either Spotify or. Uh, a real vinyl or CD yeah but uh, of course the CD is disappearing but uh,
0: and the vinyls are so expensive to print and yeah
1: we actually made vinyls with the Nordic figures now for the the last one yeah oh nice so that's our first vinyl (laughs) Mm. the third album unfortunately
0: I find that the people in the folk seen don't really buy wine as much no <laughs> that's <laughs> <laughs> it's like mostly in the like the hipster uh, yeah or the, or the americana crowd they buy the vinyl. yeah
1: so. no so uh, we'll see but uh, for us when we're out touring the cd sales are a big part of the income
2: oh really hmm. uh,
1: yeah because usually w- when we tour in the states you make maybe sell like 300 albums oh really and if you do uh, the same tour in norway you maybe sell three three yeah (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah.
0: well what can we do um so but speaking of recording uh you told me just before we went on air that you you were thinking about a new solo album Mm -hmm. so how long is it since your last
1: it came out in 2009 i think yeah. So it's about time. Yeah, but um, yeah, as we said before, we went on here. Uh, it's easier to work with other people. Yeah, why? Why is that? I don't know. <laughs> it's more fun to be. Yeah, yeah. Well, I totally agree. To be social yeah, and make music. Mm. And, I, I, uh,
0: like, I mean, you're coming from the kind of Norwegian folk music world. Uh, but I'm I'm kind of more. I, I come from the jazz and the pop world, mm. and I've always been used to playing with other people. Uh, but I kind of admired folk musicians who are able to to play solo and record solo and sit on a stage solo and play a, an entire concert. Yeah. Like I've never done that. I'm I'm not sure if I can ever do that. <laughs> so it's definitely a skill.
1: Yeah. I think playing solo is very rewarding. Mm. You learn a lot about yourself <laughs> okay <laughs> and uh and music and playing because playing solo is very transparent and playing together with others you can you can play mistakes and people don't hear it yeah but
0: and there's like there's the there's such a big difference between being solo and being a duo yeah if you know what i mean like duo trio that's kind of the same thing but mm. once you it's just you. There's no one to kind of share the, the energy. Everything comes
1: yeah. to you. But I still think that like, when you're playing Solo and you feel that it's going the right way. Mm-hmm. It's uh, that's even more rewarding to have a and yeah, than to have a really good gig with a band. Because okay. I don't know. When you play Solo, everything comes from you like you're most inner feelings <laughs> yeah, yeah. and uh, energy and uh, yeah improvisation and everything just uh, should work mm-hmm. and when it works it's a really good feeling.
0: And I guess it allows you to do like Im- improvised things and stuff that's harder to do when there's other musicians in yeah. the band yeah. I
1: suppose? Yeah, it depends on who the musician is. Yeah, are, well, that's, <laughs> so that's
0: also. But do you think, would it be like traditional music or would it be like your own compositions?
1: I'm not sure. Like, my last album was a very traditional album with fiddle and hardanger fiddle. Mm-hmm. And I really want to uh, record a solo hardanger fiddle traditional album with tunes from Halling Dar. Mm-hmm. But I also have uh, a lot of my own material that I want to record someday, mm. but it's hard with the. I, I think it would be easier to record my own stuff Why? because. Yeah, uh, because I don't have the that high expectations that <laughs> I, the if you're coming with the solo hardanger fiddle record, I really want it to be good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to your own music, yeah.
0: But yeah. I see what you mean. Like it seems, again, I'm kind of coming from the outside here. But it seems to me like the Norwegian fiddlers, like when they play the, their own traditional music, the stakes are like as high as they can be. Yeah. But when when it's more like uh, like, like you say, like your own projects or like uh, newly composed music, or then they seem to relax a bit more.
1: Yeah, it's also that uh, there are more fiddlers in Norway that can play the music from Hallingdahl, quite good. But there are no other musicians that can play my music, as good as me. (laughs) Yeah,
0: well, I guess that's a good point.
1: Um, Just to briefly touch on
0: your duo with uh, Swedish nyckelhalper player Erik Rydvall. You've you have, you've released three albums together at this point, is yeah.
1: it? Yeah. Uh, it started out... Uh, yeah, Erik Rydal is a Swedish nyckelharpa player. And, uh,
0: and let's just explain what a nyckelharpa is in case.
1: Nyckelharpa is a huge fiddle with uh, keys. Looks like a guitar almost. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, 12 sympathetic strings. So it's a lot of strings. Mm. And uh, it's usually tuned like uh, viola, mm-hmm. the top strings. But uh, Eric and the more modern players, they use a little bit different tuning. Mm-hmm. But we started playing also, I don't know, 10 years ago. And uh, the idea was to bring the hardanger fiddle, like the Norwegian sympathetic stringed instrument, together with the Swedish sympathetic stringed instrument because I have never heard them played together.
0: No, maybe not.
1: Actually. Hmm. And uh, I contacted Erik because uh, I, I knew him a little bit from before. We had met at some festivals when he was playing with his band Nordic. And uh, we were playing with Sver, I think. So I contacted him and we met in Stockholm. And uh, we quite soon realized why the instruments have not been played together. <laughs> 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 because <clears throat> uh, a lot of the traditional Nyckelharpa music, it's not that fun, actually.
0: <laughs> like the music itself? Yeah. Why is that,
1: you think? Oh, I shouldn't really say that. But <laughs> well, if you look at the, like, the very traditional music, it's very... Uh, it's a, a quite easy, like, dancing tunes, mm-hmm. a lot of it. But then, we of course, have uh, Erik Salstrom who came and modernized and uh, made a lot of really good tunes that are super fun to play. Mm. Uh, so it's... Uh... But, but a- Eric
0: er- 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 seems to play, like, every kind of music on the yeah. sun
1: on that instrument. But the thing is, that music is not that fun to play on the Hardanger fiddle. Uh-huh. And... If you're going to play Hardanger Fiddle solo tunes like we did, like traditional tunes from Howling mm. it's not that easy to learn that if you haven't played it before. and yes, especially not can, on uh, subscribe that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And,
0: and so also the, the, the Hardanger Fiddle tradition seems to be very hard to play with other people in that the tunes, as far as I understand, aren't really set in like... Uh, it's not structured as the regular fiddle tunes. It's kind yeah. of um, motive-based in a way.
1: Yeah. At least uh, um, most of the tunes are like that. So it's more up to you to to use the feeling at the moment uh, or yeah, follow the dancers, and feeling the energy in the room. and mm. Yeah, so Eric had a lot more work than me in this project too. To learn my music from Halding Dart, because. <laughs>
0: okay, so most of your repertoire is like based on the Hardanger tunes? No, it's
1: 50 um, 50. So mm-hmm. half is Hardangerfield tunes or tunes in the Hardangerfield tradition style. Mm-hmm. And the rest of it is uh, it's quite a lot of uh, Nikol Harpa tunes, a lot of Salström, uh, and uh, some just Swedish good tunes. Yeah. And s- some <laughs> of supposed to the bad tunes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and some of Eric's good tunes mm. as well. Uh, yeah, so we spent a lot of time to try to get the instruments together because it's also the thing with the tuning and the different keys because the hardanger fiddle is usually tuned up to B. But I, we ended up with me d- using two different hardanger fiddles, one tuned up to B and one tuned up to C. Because then I could cover most of the keys in his tunes, mm-hmm. and then like the Nikola harpa is quite good because you can play it. Well, Eric is also extremely good, of course, but he can play in basically every key.
0: Yeah,
1: and uh, that's much harder on the fiddle.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a very diatonic instrument in a way, mm. fiddle.
1: Yeah. Well, no, so that has been uh, a very developing project for both of us, I think. Yeah. And the good thing about uh, that cooperation with Eric is that he is quite uh, open to... He doesn't really think of, of himself as a trad folk music player. <clears throat> he is more like a musician and he is very open to improv and different sounds and uh, mm. I I have learned a lot from that project. Okay, when it comes to
0: improvisation? And stuff yeah,
1: and uh, yeah, of course, and uh, also in that duo we have been trying to like reach quite high how we can use the instruments, how we can develop uh, our techniques and uh, yeah, and playing together. So it's been very good for me like both in that technical way but also in in a musical way Mm. new ways to think about using the traditional music cool
0: and you recently expanded into a trio almost yeah uh,
1: it's a really good English uh, violinist Max Bailey he uh, wrote to us a couple of years ago and uh, I don't know how he had heard us, but maybe it was a video on Facebook or something. And uh, he wrote to us, "Okay, guys, do you want to meet up? I want to, t- <laughs> want to try playing together with you because he he is uh, like he's a super violinist. He's one of the best I've heard." And coming from the classical world, yeah, and he is a super. Uh, nerd, he knows everything about Bach Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I don't (laughs) but I've learned a lot so he came up to Røros well, first we had to check who he was (laughs) and we did and uh, he sent us some videos of uh, him playing solo Mm. he also plays the viola really good and we were just uh, blown away basically, Mm. what this guy wants to play with us. He's like a super concert violinist. And uh, yeah, he came to Røros. We sat in my room and played for three days. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, yeah, he is also a very good musician. It's like he, he does, he's very open and he really loves improv and try, like, trying new New styles and yeah just what what kind of music
0: are you playing together? Is it like new tunes, or is it are, are you kind of uh, following him into the baroque world or is he um, following you into the folk world, or how does it work?
1: a little bit of everything mm-hmm. but uh, I think the like the main idea is maybe to play baroque music with folk instruments okay and him. As our guide. <laughs> 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 no, but uh, I think it's it's really interesting I and mean, it's super hard for me to jump into that music because it's it's a lot of difficult things uh, technically and also in, on the hardanger field because uh, it becomes like in the wrong keys and I have to cheat a little bit uh, how to (laughs) to, uh, work around it. Mm. But uh, I mean both Max and Eric, they are extremely good. Uh,
0: And Eric seems to have been working a lot with that Baroque thing for a long time.
1: Their technique is so good so they can basically play anything. And uh, it's been really something to reach for (laughs) for Mm. me. So I've been. Yeah, I really liked that project. Yes, but you seem to be
0: able to always like find your own voice within project like that. Yeah, which I think is a skill and and something I strive for in my own playing. Is that like I know that I can't play everything under the sun perfect, Mm. but it's all about finding like how can I fit into whichever project I'm involved in? Yeah,
1: that's the thing. And I'm not not a person that uh, really takes over the space if uh, I'm not feeling safe either. No. But um, I think it's about knowing your skills and limitations. Mm. And in that project, I know that I'm... I'm not like a super Bach violinist, so I'm not trying to be it either. No. But uh, I'm thinking, like in that project, that it can be equally as interesting to hear how it would be like interpreted by folk musicians mm. on Hardangerfiddle instead of thinking that I want to sound like Max Bailey. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. yeah.
0: So it's about like playing to your strengths. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Cool, but uh, have you guys done any uh, recordings? I-, I saw some videos, something from, from the church, Rose church.
1: Yeah, uh, we, are, uh, we actually got the record deal. Oh, really? With, uh, they still exist? Uh, yeah, <laughs> actually uh, with uh, one of the bigger classical labels. Oh, really? Huh, that's nice. So we're going to discuss it with them this week, actually. Huh, cool. But, as you said, d- do they still exist? Yep. <laughs> or, or
0: what does a record deal outside the, like, the, the big commercial scenes yeah.
1: mean any, anymore? I'm not sure, actually. <laughs> but uh, I think maybe that I- in that scene, in the classical scene, it could be, uh, still be something that would mean more to us than mm. just uh, r- releasing it ourselves.
0: Yeah, yeah. so it's kind of like the weight of the name of the label yeah. itself, it's not, not just the financial side of things. Yeah,
1: I think so. To reach out to the right people mm. and also get a distribution network. Because uh, with all the other albums I do now, we release it on our own label. I do, okay. Because we have just realized that it's too expensive to use any other Label or company that uh, just uh, runs off with all our money?
0: Are you talking about marketing now, or
1: no? I'm talking about uh, the like pressing and oh, okay stuff. Like the that. whole thing. So now but we you still have to pay for
0: all the recording and stuff yourself uh, and mixing and yeah, all that stuff.
1: You do, but uh, in Norway we are quite lucky. So usually we have been able to finance uh, at least. A good part of the record. From funds. From funds. But still, it's uh, it's uh, for us like been touring so much and still selling albums. Mm. I think we uh, it's a win-win for us anyway.
0: Yeah, yeah. You can keep all the income from, from yeah. the album sales.
1: Hmm. So. And course. now you have your own
0: studio as well, so. Yeah. Practically just churn them out for free. yeah <laughs> exactly cool so um,
1: how has it been moving back to Røros it's been good uh, I think I always knew that I would come back but I was yeah before we moved here three years ago we were living in Sweden mm-hmm. where my girlfriend is from uh, and I never saw myself uh getting old in sweden (laughs) (laughs) because i think it's something to do with the whole folk music thing as well that i feel like the the music from norway of course uh, it's so it's such a big part of my identity Mm. and i feel yeah if i were supposed to be staying in sweden i would become that kind of the Norwegian, <laughs> yeah, mean, yeah. <laughs> and, the kind of, and of course lose uh, out on a lot of the things going on here, mm. because Røros is uh, it's a really living folk music scene.
0: Yeah, so s- for anyone, again, and non-Norwegian listeners, Røros is like, it's actually one of my favorite cities in Norway, I think. Um, it's one of the few small towns left that are left that have managed to like keep a lot of the, the old uh, buildings and mm. culture. Um, and it's also a very rich culture because it used to be like a regional centre back like going back three hundred years or more. Mm. Uh, because there's there used to be a big copper mine here. Um, and like so many other small places in Norway has been just they're not nice because all the old buildings are gone, and they have built some, yeah. some ugly-looking center with the same mm. shops everywhere. Mm. But in Rödös, they've been like super strict with okay, like if you're living in, say, in like downtown Rödös, if you're yeah. gonna nail like <laughs> if you're gonna like paint the wall, you have to call uh, some someone from the government. Yeah,
1: no, it's very strict. It's on the <laughs> maybe too
0: strict. Someone would argue,
1: but of course, but it's on the UNESCO world heritage list mm. and uh, of course that comes with some responsibility <laughs> mm. and I mean if you don't want to live in a museum you can just move five minutes away. Yeah, that's, <laughs>
0: that's also true I guess. But how is the, like, the folk music scene in Rødos at the moment because like going back, um, this, is, this has been one of the, the centers of folk music, right? Or, yeah. Uh, at least in my understanding. Um, but maybe there was kind of a gap in the 80s and uh, and 90s with not too many young people playing, I don't know. Or how is it these days?
1: Um, My feeling is that it has been quite good. Okay. But it depends on what you compare with, of Mm -hmm. course. But uh, when I was young, it was, uh, well, at least in my are uh, quite uh, living and uh, yeah, growing scene, mm-hmm. and I think it still is. Uh, it's a lot of people playing the fiddle, mostly fiddlers here, mm. uh, and the dance is also a big part of it. Okay, so there are uh, yeah many many people dancing in in the local dancing club <laughs> yeah.
0: mm. because that's um like almost all the norwegian traditional music is dance music right it's yeah. kind of meant like there's a dance that goes with uh with the tune and i feel like uh that's something well i, I play a lot of irish music myself and i even spent time in ireland to learn it and play it, but I've hardly ever played Irish music for dancers no. and it's dance music, yeah. which is kind of ridiculous but I I don't really feel that I have that connection with how the music is supposed to work with dancers and it's not that I don't want to, there's just not that many opportunities
1: Yeah, no, um, the Røros Pulse the um, main dance from in Røros I think it has to be the most popular Norwegian folk dance like in the world. Yeah. Right? <laughs> 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 because uh, if you go to... Yeah, there is a huge market in Røros in February. Uh, and the, the music and dance is a really big part of it. And then you can see that the dancers come from... all over the world to be a part of this and dance Røros Pols for Mm. five days. And uh, there are many people from Røros, both musicians and dancers who have uh, went to, yeah, all over to have uh, lessons or courses in Røros Pols, both in playing and dancing. Mm. So uh, it's quite popular. And I also... It's quite an easy dance to learn, mm-hmm. and it's also, like the music, the simple version of it is quite easy to learn. So yeah. it's a good entrance. Like, it's much easier to learn Røros Pulse than a springer from Telmark, yeah. in my eyes. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, you kind of get the the structure of the tune faster. Yeah, But then there's like, you can spend the rest of your life perfecting it. Yeah, yeah. exactly,
1: there are so many layers and sublayers of uh, what you can do to make it better and i'm still working on it mm. like how do i do this with the the beat and the energy and the it's so many things like double strings ornaments double stops uh, yeah how do i use my energy there and on that beat and
0: mm. play a lot for dancers yourself these days?
1: Uh, Not so much uh, anymore. Uh, I think the past 10 years has been a lot of uh, concerts Mm. and projects. Uh, But before that I played a lot for dance and uh, I kind of miss it. Yeah. Especially playing the Hardanger Mm fiddle solo for dance.
0: Yeah, it seems to be like, especially for that music and that dance, a lot of like
1: communication
0: between the dancer and
1: the yeah. musician. It's very uh, developing for, for myself to play for dancers. Mm. Solo, mm-hmm. I mean, and especially hardanger Fiddle.
2: <laughs> cool.
1: And uh, yeah, if you have learned a new tune, the best thing, the best way to get it in is to play for dancers. And then you also f- figure out does this work? Is it a good way to do this? Uh, like with the rhythm and uh yeah, the best way is to test it on dancers.
0: Yeah. Hmm. That's that's good advice. Yeah. Uh, do you have any other advice for like <laughs> uh, uh people wanting to to make like a living as a professional musician in Norway coming from the folk music background because like the Norwegian folk music academy they're churning out new folk musicians every year but I'm not sure how many of them actually make their living playing music. So I'm just curious uh, what what would you what kind of advice would you give if, if someone has if someone wishes to make a living from their music?
1: Yeah. I've actually been thinking about that quite a lot. And my best advice if you are a student is to get different projects going while you are a student and uh, yeah, start some bands or duos or whatever just to be, like, and maybe start doing some concerts, it's not that hard to you maybe won't get paid mm. for a while but uh, just get out there and start playing and start yeah, getting people to know you and your music a little bit more because if you are done with the school and mm. you don't have any projects, no, it's not like you can just hey, I'm a professional musician, yeah,
0: because hire oh. me and pay me the, yeah.
1: the, the the standard rate. Because it's <laughs> of course, what should I play? Who should I play with? Who yeah. should I play for? What can I sell? It's uh, like so many different things. Mm. And uh, luckily for me, I we were had started uh, both Sphere. Yeah, at least we had started Sver when I was done studying uh, which was a really good thing. Mm. Uh,
0: so you'd say like finding good projects is, is a key kind of? Yeah at least start
1: something that yeah. you might be doing after your studies. Mm. You. I also think it's if you're going to be living from music you need to play something you need to be open-minded and not only play that style from that place like to play if i would just play raros pulse i would uh, never be sitting here no so uh, i have always been very very open-minded to different music and styles and also like making new music and Last year, we released an album with the Trondheim Jazz Orchestra. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that project was a lot about free improv. Free impro- uh, and uh, I met the singer Sophia Jernberg, mm-hmm. also about 10 years ago. She is an in- improv singer, super fantastic uh, voice. But she... She I, like she is from a different planet than myself. <laughs> no, at least back then, she comes from this uh, like totally free improv world. Uh, when it's for me, it sounded just like I don't know, making noise.
0: Yeah, you have to kind of be in the right mindset to appreciate it, I think.
1: Yeah, but then we, uh... and back then I was also more from the traditional. Side of it, but then we started working together mm-hmm. with uh, yeah Sofia, Alexander Satzun, a really good piano player, and uh, we did some concerts in in Sweden first, based on my traditional music, which was so good. I think for me, it, uh, super exciting, mm. and then uh, it turned out it turned into a project with. Trondheim Jazz Orchestra, which is just uh, fantastic to be a part of. Yeah, they're so legends, did. basically. Yeah, so it uh, became like a bestillingsverk. Uh. <laughs> yeah, the first time it was <laughs> performed <laughs> was at Vossajas. Uh, like a commissioned piece. Commission, exactly. That's what it's called. Yeah. <laughs> A few years ago, and then I thought I found it so interesting because uh, uh, this project was really challenging for mm. me. I, it was super cool to be there with thirteen musicians, some of the best jazz musicians in the country, right? Mm. And myself with the hardanger fiddle and my tunes, but still um, I also got to lo- do a lot of f- improv and be, be a part <laughs> of that process. Yeah. Which and and you, you wouldn't
0: gotten a gig if you hadn't been as open-minded, uh, no. as you said?
1: And uh, after the concert, one of my friends came up to me and said, like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, really? <yeah. laughs> but... <clears throat> I think it comes down to being open-minded to to music. And I really respect some of my friends who I went to school with, like uh, Benedicte Mausset. She has gone her own way. Mm. like She's doing, doing her own thing. I really think it's cool. I respect it.
0: Yeah, it's all and about finding your own voice and your own yeah, little.
1: It's more about that exactly that thing, like finding your own voice, than playing exactly like uh, a fiddler did hundred years ago.
0: No, because that fiddler probably also had his own voice. Yeah, he didn't play exactly like some other fiddler a hundred years before that.
1: No, <laughs> and uh, this is also like. When you think about the trend-setting people in every tradition in Norway, it's always someone who has come with a new sound, mm. like Hans Brehemi, Gubbrandstaren, Egil Syversbrotten in uh, Yeah, In every tradition you find people who have... They don't really play like their teachers. No. They go their own way. But, uh, and it becomes really good. Yeah. Like Trond Vestberg mm. in Raros, super good field player. He set kind of a new standard as well inside the tradition. And uh, so. I think that's my best tip, is to be open-minded and get some projects started.
0: So yeah, I see we're way over an hour now, so I'm not going to keep you anymore <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but um, this has been great it's really nice to come that you could come here yeah, yeah it's, song r- it's great to have an excuse to come to Reros. Yeah. <laughs> um, if people want to want to check out any of the music that we've mentioned here is there any where would you like to send people um,
1: oh good question
0: you have you have your own website I suppose yeah
1: probably the, our websites are the best mm. the, the Nordic Fiddlers blog. Dot com or sverfolk.com or olavmjelva.no dot all right or redval Yeah, dot com yeah quite <laughs> a few websites <laughs> or, um, and the folk music academycom exactly is it yeah. possible
0: to pre order the the vinyl for the nor for the nordic theaters block yeah album?
1: absolutely it's uh arriving in a couple of weeks okay sign me up for one then yeah
0: (laughs) absolutely okay great uh hope to see you again very soon yeah some tunes next time hopefully yes yeah Take (laughs) take care thanks for listening to this week's episode of the folk music podcast as always you can head over to the folk music podcast to learn more about the episode and if you're watching this on youtube i would highly appreciate it if you consider subscribing to the channel that would go a long way. Um, you can also find the show on Facebook and Instagram as well. That's it for this week, though. Uh, but we will be back next week with another great guest and another episode of the Folk Music Podcast. See you later.